happens. If enough people sign up, we're going to do a Christmas pageant again this year. So sign-up sheet will be out in the foyer. Rehearsals begin, um, let's see, November 18th, and they'll last about an hour, and they're after church right away, and I'll bring snacks for the kids. And the, the uh, performance, the pageant itself, will be December 16th. We hope lots of people will sign up. They don't have to all be children. We need at least eight children, and then we need enough other children or adults to make up about 15 people. So, thanks. Okay. <laughs> we'll let the kids make their way to junior church then. And while they're making their way, let's turn to the book of Jude. Looking at Jude verses 5 through 7 this morning. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving the people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as example as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. If you recall, last week we looked at Jude's great desire. He wanted to deal with the common salvation that we share in Christ. Uh, the writer of Hebrews phrases it, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And the Apostle Paul took almost five chapters to explain that great salvation to us in the book of Romans. So uh, it was a great desire on the part of Jude, but the Lord stopped him from doing that because he felt it was necessary to contend for the faith, to defend the, the principles of the faith. There was a danger in Jude's day, a danger that exists today, and that is called apostasy. Those who would stray away from the teaching of the word of God, those who would teach contrary to the word of God. And we are living in a day and age where we see a lot of that apostasy creeping into the church itself. Uh, people teaching doctrines that have nothing whatsoever to do with the, the word of God. And so we want to look this morning at where does apostasy lead a person? What, what is the end, of, end result of that apostasy? And Jude is going to take us to three areas, three da dangers that, that we face with a, a apostasy today. They serve as a warning to us. Now, he's quick to mention here that these are not new truths. He, he's not introducing something new here. He, matter of fact, he says, I'm reminding you. You, you knew this. Uh, I, I'm reminding you. The word remind also could be translated remember. I want you to, to remember these truths. It, it's, so it's not something new. It's something we have to guard against repeatedly in, in our life. The, uh, the apostle Paul in uh, Philippians chapter 3 says to say the same thing to me. He said it's not grievous but for you it's safe. And, and Peter 
carried the same idea in Second Peter chapter 2 where he was reminding them, he was stirring up their minds by, by way of remembrance. Why do we need that? Well, let's be honest. We're getting older, aren't we? <laughs> Any of you struggle with remembering things? Uh, uh, used to be somebody gave me their name. It was fixed in my mind. Now I look at some of you out there and I'm sometimes I think, no, wait a minute, what was the name that goes with that face? <laughs> it, uh, it, it's just a fact of life. And, and uh, when I think of that term reminder here, I, I, I think of what takes place on an airplane. How many of you traveled recently on an airplane? How many of you sat there through that announcement that they, every time you travel, you hear the same announcement? It, all the safety features, where all the exits are, and, and so forth. Do you ever wonder why they do that? They're reminding you. Just in case you have forgotten, they, they want to protect you. They want to protect your safety there. And so they go over them. Now, I, I realize a lot of us probably sit there and daydream while that's going on. That's not their fault. That's your fault. Uh, it, it, it's for your, your purpose and, and your advantage that they are reminding you. That's the idea that, that Jude is using here when, when he says, I desire to remind you. He wants to protect them. He wants to keep them safe. He, he wants to guarantee that they continue in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ there. What are the, the dangers that we face today? The first danger he lists here is unbelief. The danger of unbelief in verse 5. The story comes out of the book of Exodus after the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt. Remember, God uh, brought them out from the slavery and bondage. through. They were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb in a sense. And then they came to Mount Sinai. And, and God gave them uh, the law to regulate their society and so forth. And then approximately two years later, they came to the edge of the promised land. This is where, what they were looking forward to. This is where they were headed all along. They, they were going to leave the bondage of Egypt, go to the promised land that, that God gave to them. But if you recall the story, when they came to the edge of the promised land, they sent some spies in. And they came back and they said, you know what? It's a beautiful land. It's all that God's promised us. But there's some giants in the land. There's some walled cities. We, we, we can't go in there. We, we, we can't take it. And, and all of this time, God is saying, all you got to do is step across the border, and it's yours. He had promised them that. He, he's, he, he would go before them and give them the land. And yet, they said, no, we can't go in. And the end result was they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They had seen God's provision. They had seen God's care. They had seen God deal with the enemies that, that were against them, and yet for one reason or another, they refused to go in. And God said, if that's the case, then you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation passes away. Now, as I say that, that seems kind of harsh to us, but in Psalm 68, verse 7, it says, O God, when thou didst go forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness. God, even though they were did not go into the promised land because of unbelief, God protected them. God 
provided for them for 40 years. God was, was there as they wandered through that wilderness experience. He did not give up on his people there. What did they miss then? When, when you think of all of the miracles that took place during those 40 years, what, what did they miss? They missed the blessing of the promised land. They could have gone in. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's a blessing to live in a tent for 40 years. <laughs> How many of you would like a 40-year camping trip? <laughs> I, I, I think even in a camping trailer, I, I don't think we could convince Dorothy to do 40 years. <laughs> I don't think we could convince her to do a year. Uh, uh, that, uh, and yet, they had that because they refused to obey what God asked them to do. They refused to go in. That's all they had to do. They could have had homes and lands and farms and the, the whole whole works there. They refused. They missed the blessing of the promised land. Now, there's a sober warning for us in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 both. In, in chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, he, spake, he says, Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another. And, and he goes on in that vein down through chapter 4 where he says in verse 1, Let us fear lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any of us should seem to come short of it. We can miss some of God's blessings today because of unbelief. He's not suggesting that we, we miss heaven there, but uh, we can miss his blessings today because of doubts, because of fear. Any of you, uh, you don't have to raise a hand on this one. Any of you do some worrying this week? Didn't God promise to take care of you? Didn't God say, if, if you come with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, uh, I'll give you my peace about those matters? And yet, how many of us spend some time wallowing in unbelief? Wallowing in worry. Uh, any of you would love to worry? I, I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy worrying. Uh, I, I probably do enough of it, but I, I don't enjoy it there. We can miss the blessing of God's peace if, if we're not careful because of unbelief. We just don't believe that God means what he says. Sometimes we doubt his ability. Sometimes we doubt whether he even cares for us. You know, we go through a trial. I, I, I think of Job. I wonder how many times he wrestled with that issue. Does God really care for me? Why, why does he allow all of this to happen to me? Where, where is his love? Where is his care in, in all of this? And yet we know deep down inside that God loves us, that God's going to walk every step of the way with us, and yet we can lose sight of that if we're not careful. It's a serious matter to disbelieve God. If God leads us, God will provide. We have to trust him for that individually. We have to trust him for that as a congregation. When There are times when we have to make a step of faith. We did that with, with this building how many of you struggled with unbelief when we started the building process? What if, what if God doesn't answer? What, what, what if it doesn't all come in? Well, so what? God said, take a step forward. We took a step forward. And praise the Lord, he, he met us in, in that. And yet I wonder, 
now that the building is almost complete, we, we have a little bit of work that needs to be done, but um, it, it's usable. I wonder, is God saying to us as a congregation now, the real work starts? What are you going to do with this blessing? How are you going to use it to the glory of Jesus Christ? Uh, are, are we going to reach out? Are, are we going to touch lives? Or are we just going to huddle in this building and, and just say, thank the Lord we got a good building? To, uh, uh, are we going to reach kids? Are we going to reach families? You, you know what? Uh, I don't know about you, but I find that kids' ministry is messy. Uh, they, they don't always pick up after themselves. <laughs> uh, I don't want to put that burden on the kids because sometimes the adults don't either. <laughs> it, 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 uh, uh, and yet are we going to hang on to that and say, well, this is ours. We, we, we can't have it ruined. Or, or are we going to say, Lord, it's yours. Who do you want to reach? Who do you want to touch through the use of, of, of this building? How does, how does God want us to, to reach out to the community with, with the, the gospel message? Is, is he asking us as a congregation to take a step of faith? And I realize when that when he does that, we hear all kinds of things. Somebody will say, we can't do that. Or we've tried that before and it didn't work, so we can't do it again. That way before. Unbelief will rob us of God's full blessing upon our life today. It isn't going to steal our eternal security from us, but if God says go, if God says take a step of faith, we better be willing to do it or we're going to miss some of the blessing that God has for us, either individually or, or collectively there. So he's warning, he warned them, first of all, he reminded them of what the children of Israel went through and he said, don't disbelieve God. If God says, do it, do it. Take that step of faith for him. He doesn't say you have to understand how it's all going to work out. As they stood on the border of Kadesh Barnea there, it was very true that there were giants in the land. There were walled cities. There was battles ahead. But God said, I'm going to give it to you. And, and so all they had to do was step across that line and, and watch God work there. If God says, do it, let's do it. The second area he warns about is rebellion. Now, this is a, a difficult passage for us because we don't fully understand verse 6. I, I don't know if you have all the answers to verse 6 or not, but I don't. I'm going to suggest some answers to it, but uh, that's you'll have to wrestle with, with those, those answers there. Uh, I think that Jude assumed that his readers knew because he's reminding them. He's bringing to their remembrance. Now, it would have been great for our benefit if he had included some more information here. He doesn't, and, and maybe maybe that that's good. But uh, they understood what he was writing about. We, we wrestle with some of that today because there's three different ways of looking at this particular verse. So, uh, he's, he's dealing with the angels that did not keep their own domain there. Who were they? What, what did they do? The first view is that this was angel, uh, the fallen angels. No information given of when they fell or what they fell. Jude just assumes that his, his readers knew that. And, and so some look at it as the falling away of the angels. Others see it as the original fall of Satan and his angels. The only problem with both of those views is why aren't they all bound up in chains, if that's the case? Uh, 
because certainly as we look at the world in which we live today, and we're not exempt from that in America, demonic activity is very real. Uh, the enemy is at work, and, and we need to recognize that. As a matter of fact, we have a whole group of individuals trying to call down uh, curses on those in positions of power that are Christians. Where, what is the source of that? It's demonic. It's Satan working against the, the, those who are taking a stand for God and so forth. So if this was the original fall of Satan, why were just a few of them in chains? Others see it as coming out of Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And I think that's where, where Jude is coming from on this. That's the only scripture reference that we had that, that fits it there. In, in Genesis chapter 6, you have the flood, the story of the flood. One of the reasons it was given in verse 1 is when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took their wives for themselves, whomever they chose. And then the Lord says, my spirit will not always strive with man. What was going on there? If, if you read that text carefully, where it says the sons of God there, all, with only one exception in the Old Testament, that phrase the sons of God refers to angels. It, it is used almost exclusively in the Old Testament of angels. So somehow, whether it was through demon possession or, or what, they left their natural estate and they were cohabiting with the, the daughters of men there. Now, the fact of the matter is, we don't understand how that happened. We, we don't understand what was going on there. And I think there's a reason for that. In Romans chapter 16, in verse 19, the, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to be wise in what is good, innocent in what is evil. And, and I think that perhaps God is saying here, there are some things you don't need to know. We don't need to know all of the ins and outs of the cults. We, we don't need to know where uh, all, all of the ins and outs of, of evil and so forth. We need to know the truth. We need to know that which is good. And, and so perhaps he's shielding us from, from some of that knowledge here by just giving us a, a, just a brief glimpse of what was going on there. The fact is they left their abode, they, they, they left heaven they abandoned their natural estate. They traded it, the spiritual, for the physical, in a sense. They came down to this earth, and, and they, they, it was a rejection of a rebellion against God and his, his order of, of things. Why did they do that? Was it pride? Did, did they think they knew better than God? I, I, I don't know, but uh, they did it. Uh, they weren't content with what, God had created them for and the purpose that they had in life. They, they rebelled against his authority and his lordship. Now, there are many reasons today for, for rebellion. Uh, there were in Jude's day. There are now. And, and, but we need to be careful of that. The word that he uses here, they were, th these particular demonic powers were chained in darkness that word is only used two or three times in, in the Bible. It's used here. It's used in 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm not going to take time to read all of those verses, and, it, and it's in Hebrews as, as well there. It speaks of uh, a great darkness, a, a deep pit of, of darkness there. Notice it speaks of the fact that, um, that uh, 
no, it doesn't speak of that fact. Uh, later, we're going to see that Christ went and proclaimed, made a proclamation to these demonic powers that were in chains. Now, he did not go and offer them the way of salvation. Uh, he, the word proclaim that he uses to, for his actions there was not to proclaim the gospel. That's an entirely different word. We are called to proclaim the gospel today to the lost, go into all the world and, and, and preach the gospel. That's not what Christ did there. He went and he pronounced his victory over sin and over Satan. He, in a sense, on the cross cried out, it is finished. The work of redemption was finished. Their doom was sealed. And he, he pronounced the fact that he had won the, the battle there. But as we think about that, uh, again, it's a serious warning to us. We need to be careful of rebellion. Uh, and I, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes some of our kids would rebel. I'm sure your kids never rebelled, but uh, uh, that can be a serious matter in a family, and it's a serious matter in the household of God as well. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 4, in verse 17, he said, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is what? A mistake? No, he said it's sin. We are called to obey the word of God. And if we don't, it can bring serious consequences into our lives. In Hebrews chapter 13, he speaks of the fact that, or excuse me, chapter 12, if, if we continue in sin, we bring ourselves under the discipline of God. God's going to discipline us. He, he's going to find some way to bring us back into a right relationship with himself. Uh, in James chapter 5, later on in verse 19, he suggests that some people are even lose their lives because of their rebellion. If they refuse to come back to the Lord, sometimes the Lord says, I can't use you here any longer. That was the case with Ananias and Sapphira. I, I think uh, of a man, when I was getting ready to go, about a year before I was married, I was getting ready to go to the mission field, and he called up and said, I, I, I want to help support you as a missionary. And... Uh, I guess he did for a couple months. Um, they didn't didn't follow through on it. But uh, he said, the reason I want to support you is because when I was a young man, I was in Bible school, and the Lord was calling me into ministry. And when I finished my first year of Bible school, I took a summer job working as a mechanic in a in a in a shop. And, and he said I was making good money. So when the summer came to an end, I decided not to go back to school. And he had spent his life working then as, as, as a mechanic. Now, there's nothing wrong with working as a mechanic if God calls you to be a mechanic. But in his case, God had called him to preach the gospel. And uh, he had struggled with that for years. And then I found out later, not only had he struggled with that, but he was abusing his uh, handicapped daughter. She was about 20 years of age at the time. And... Uh, the, the church had warned him against that. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> and they didn't do it, so I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the church had warned him. Matter of fact, he was under discipline from the church because of that, and he refused repeatedly to repent and to change. 
And the day came about a year or two later when um, he, he had been working on a, a Volkswagen, of all things, and uh, took it out for a test drive, driving down the, the road, and they have no idea why, but suddenly it veered off the road into a, 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 a bridge abutment, and he was killed in, in the accident there. Nothing wrong with the car. They don't know if there was something wrong physical with him or, or, or what had happened. I think God said, you know what? It's time to come home. I can't use you anymore in your rebellion. You, re you refuse to obey me. It's time that you are taken out of this world. That's the danger of re rebellion there. And then the third illustration that he gives to us here is the area of perversion. In, in verse 7, he, he gives the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You, you can take time and read that story in Genesis 18 and 19. We're not going to read two chapters here this morning. But um, in some ways, it seems like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were unlikely candidates for apostasy. They were pagans. How, how could they be departing from the faith? And, and yet, I, I think we need to realize they still had the knowledge of the flood. At that particular time, if, if you read the genealogies and, and you accept the genealogies as part of the word of God, which, which I do, I, I think the ages are given to us for a reason there, then Shem was still alive when Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. And, and there was a knowledge there of the true God because he lived in that area. And, and then... And, and, in that day, there was the testimony of Abraham. Remember, Abraham was the uh, uncle of, of Lot who was living there in Sodom and Gomorrah. There was also the, the knowledge of God through Melchizedek, the king of Jerusalem. Now, who he was, we have no idea. But he worshiped God, and, and Abraham came and, and paid tithes to him and so forth. So that whole area was immersed with the knowledge of God. They knew better. Uh, and, and yet they rejected God's way. They, the word here, they indulged in a, a gross immorality. The word indulge speaks of a lifestyle. They chose to live a lifestyle. They deliberately chose an immoral, perverted lifestyle that was contrary to the way of God. And, and so they allowed that perversion to creep into their society. Now, let's be honest today. We're living in perverse times. There's all kinds of perversion out there. Uh, you go on the Internet, you can get anything you want on there. Uh, uh, we, we, we see it on the Internet. We, we see it in, uh, in our school system today where, you know, you're not allowed to tell a kindergarten student they're a boy or they're a girl. Uh, You've got to be gender neutral there. What, what are we teaching them? And, and then we've opened our, our restrooms to, uh, if, if you feel like you want to go into the men's room, you can go into the men's room. If you feel like you can go into the ladies' room, you can do that as well. Uh, we, we, we've broken down those, those re restraints that, that were there. We're living in a perverted time. Uh, the sad thing is sometimes that has infiltrated the church as well. We've allowed that perversion to creep into our thinking and, and into our church where we no longer hold to God's definition of marriage. We accept the world's definition of marriage. We, we need to be careful that we 
Stick to the word of God. What does the scripture say? Not, not what is society doing, not what is our culture teaching, but what does the word of God say? If, if we don't, we're going to be led into perversion to this day. We have, and I, I thank the Lord that we have taken steps to prevent some of that in our church. We have the safe church policy. I, I'm amazed at how many people resist that idea. I, I don't want my background checked. I, I, I don't want to go through that. I, I, I'm, I'm a good person. Why do we do that? We do that to protect our children. We want to make sure that they are safe. And, and so everybody has, has to go through that process there. It, it is for the benefit of not the person that's the check is being run on. It's the benefit of the children that we are seeking to minister to. It's, it, it becomes a critical, important area today. One of the reasons that God was dealing with the perversion in Sodom and Gomorrah was that they were breaking the type of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, where he's speaking of marriage, uh, a man shall leave his father and cleave to his wife and so forth. It was a picture of Christ and the church. It was a picture of what God was going to do in our hearts and lives. And if, if we violate that, we are in serious trouble there. The, and so it becomes a, a, a sobering, serious warning for us today. Unbelief, rebellion, perversion, all will lead to God's judgment upon a person's life, individually or collectively, if a, if a group goes that way. So that's why Jude felt he had to contend for the faith. It was not that he was being judgmental. It was he wanted to protect the church of Jesus Christ. He wanted to keep them from going astray and into the areas where God would judge. Now, as we think about that, I can't help but ex can't escape what God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, after he lists some of the failures there of the nation of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness, they, you know, uh, there's some tough ones there. It's said in... Uh, they grumbled and complained. I didn't get a reaction on that. <laughs> they grumbled and they complained. That's why God had to bring some judgment into their lives. And any of you do any grumbling this week? Any, any of you do any complaining? Uh, what, what, if, what if we get a six inches of snow tomorrow? How many of you are going to say, praise the Lord? <laughs> Yeah, a, a few sensible ones. <laughs> but I have a feeling if, if we got snow this week, I'd hear some grumbling next week, <laughs> complaining. Uh, and after listing all of that, you come down to verse 12, and he says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. If the children of Israel could fall in these areas, we could too. And so Jude says, I'm going to contend for the faith. I'm going to seek to protect you. I'm going to give you those guidelines, that safeguard that you need. And I believe we need to take a stand as individuals, as families. When we seek to safeguard our families, we seek to spare them the heartache and the consequences of walking the wrong way, of walking in unbelief or rebellion or, or perversion there. It's not that we want to make life miserable for them. It's that we want them to enjoy the blessing of God 
upon their lives. If we entertain any of these three areas in our life, we're going to, just like the children of Israel, miss some of the blessing that God had for them. Do you want to spend 40 years in a tent or do you want to spend your time in a house? That, that was their choice. And, and they made the wrong choice. We need to be careful. He said, be careful. You think you stand. Make sure that you're standing. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does Paul have to say about that? God forbid. Couldn't say it any stronger there. God forbid. Don't even go that direction is what he's saying. The same idea comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, where he says, don't be unequally yoked. Uh, Come out from among them and be separate, he says, and I will receive you. It's not that he's trying to restrict us. It's not that he's trying to make life hard for us. It's that he wants us to experience the best that God has to offer us today. His way brings with it his blessing there. And so my challenge today is to look at these three areas and ask you to wrestle with them. Is there one of these areas that you know you need help in? And are you willing to get that help? Are you willing to deal with it? Has God spoken to you, asked you to take a step of faith, and you've refused to move ahead? You just don't believe that God's able to do it or, or won't do it or, or, or whatever. Is there some area of unbelief in your life that, that you need to struggle with and wrestle with? What about the area of rebellion? You know what God says. We have his word. Are we deliberately in some area walking contrary to what he has revealed? That's sin. And, and if we are doing that, it will eventually bring God's judgment upon our, our, our lives. And then what about the area of perversion? Have we twisted the scriptures to make it say what we want it to say? Or have we come to the scripture and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What, what, what is your plan? What, what is your purpose? Not what is society doing or not what's going on around me, but what does your word say? Are, are we living according to his word? Jude would come to us to say, today to say, I want you to contend for the faith. That starts... In our hearts, we can't contend for the faith until we first do it in our own hearts and our own lives. So let's examine our hearts to make sure that we're not standing on the edge of a blessing and we're turning away from it. Let's claim God's full blessing today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great desire to bless. So often we have the wrong view of your commandments and what you ask. We think you're out to make life miserable for us, but you're not. You want us to enjoy the best possible life that we can experience today. You said in the book of John, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Thank you for that. Lord, help us not to miss that abundance because of unbelief or because of disobedience or perversion. Help us, Father, to walk with you to the glory of Jesus Christ so that we can be truly blessed in this life and in the world to come. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. With that in mind, we're going to sing that tremendous hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Aren't you thankful for that this morning?